Military Matters, Faith, Chaplaincy and the Armed Forces. My name's Philippe Rossiter. I reached the rank of Colonel after 30 years in the Army and I was in the Royal Logistic Corps, originally commissioned in, into the Royal Signals and then transferred from the Royal Signals in the mid-70s to the Army Catering Corps and the Army Catering Corps eventually became subsumed into the Royal Logistic Corps in 1993. So I wore three cap badges, or four if you count the sort of general staff corps badge as well. And I retired from the army in 2001 and took up a retired officer's post within the Ministry of Defence at the British Embassy in Paris for two years and then I left that in 2002. We have six children altogether and two of whom are in the army. We have a daughter who's currently second in command of 27th Regiment in, um, in Aldershot, Royal Logistic Corps. And um, our youngest son, Thomas, who's a captain with the British Army staff at the British Embassy in Washington currently. My wife and I met each other when we were at school in the mid-60s, and we were eventually married in 1971. I was an officer cadet, and I'd just been commissioned. In fact, we were married a week after my commissioning. And then throughout that period, and particularly I worked in Paris just before joining the Army, I have to say, although I've gone to a Catholic school, taught by the Christian brothers, like a lot of young men particularly, I not particularly stray from the past, but I wouldn't class myself as a practising Catholic. And when we married, that changed slightly, but the one thing that kind of brought both of us back to the church, in effect, not that we'd ever left it, you know, in that sense, but was the fact that we suddenly found ourselves, well, I say, well, I was married, we were married a week after I was commissioned. A week later, I was posted to Germany. And I'd never been to Germany in my life, didn't speak a word of German. It was a, a very different way of life. And we had a, a Catholic chaplain in the regiment, Huey Beatty, whose name was well known amongst uh, you know, older Catholics of, of my generation. And uh, we started going to Mass on a regular basis every Sunday. And of course there were other people in the regiment who went, other people from other units within the garrison. And so it served a double purpose initially. It enabled us to meet more people outside of the regiment, so it kind of widened our connections. It enabled Pauline then to make connections particularly with other wives because we did a lot of exercises, so the men were often away from, from the units. And Huey Beatty, because of who he was, made a huge impression on us. And by and large, his style of chaplaincy uh, was emulated, if one could call it that, by many other chaplains throughout our, my army service. And you see, but he was my first experience of a service chaplain, and very different to my civilian parish priests that I'd known in the past. This was a chap who'd been a soldier himself. He'd been with the Highland Light Infantry. He was a Glaswegian. And all the soldiers in the regiment loved him, whether they were Catholics or non-Catholics, believers or non-believers. He had such a great... Um, aura about him, a great um, ability to chat to anybody at any time. He cut hair for soldiers, didn't charge them, and of course while they were in the barber's chair, he was practicing and, you know, converting. <laughs> so he was a, everybody's friend, whether you were the commanding officer of the regiment or, you know, the most recently joined young private soldier. And as I say, that made a real impression, and it got us into becoming regular mass goers, and then we had our first child while we were there, and then subsequently posted. As I say, all the chaplains with whom we then had contact 
were very similar. They had different styles, of course, but their approach to dealing with this very peculiar community was, we're one of you. And in that sense, you felt that um, you were sort of brothers in arms, you know, is perhaps too strong a point. But in the context of a, of a garrison life, they were very much part of our community, living with us, living in messes, living, you know, part of the, the family. And, of course, on exercise and ultimately on operations, those same chaplains were dealing with the soldiery, you know, the people who were actually, you know, being employed to do the business when it was necessary, and sharing those burdens and sorrows and, you know, and challenges. And I think that's what marks service chaplains out, in a way, from a civilian parish priest who's part of the community but not necessarily living with such an intensity that the service chaplains tend to. They are very evidently part of you because they wear the uniform. Chaplains, not just in the UK, but you'll see them here in Lourdes, will be in uniform, by and large, will be part of that community and therefore they create a sense of belonging with the community they're serving in, in a way that it simply doesn't happen in civilian life because the parish priest is a parish priest. He wears his uniform, if you could put it that way, but leads a parallel life to his flock as opposed to the service chaplain who's completely integrated within the service community and shares all of you know, the sort of day-to-day troubles and joys that uh, service life can bring. But ultimately, the reason you have service chaplains is for exactly the same reasons you have the armed forces. They are there to defend the national interest. They are there to promote the national interest in whatever way one's government feels that's important. And ultimately, because they are a formed body of men and women who bear arms, the only people who do that, set aside the police in this context, but who are there to project force on behalf of the British government, you will ultimately, when you join the services, you're signing up to potentially putting yourself in harm's way. Well, the chaplains do that as well. So the chaplain isn't saying in the barrack gates, "Cheerio, guys, as you go off to Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever it might be, actually, I'm on the train with you, I'm on the flight with you. In fact, I'm going to come with you and I'm going to share your trials and tribulations. Now, they aren't necessarily in the front line. We accept all of that. But if you look at the history of chaplaincy in the services going back over 100 years, at every stage, chaplains have been there through the thick of you know, real difficulties. And for predominantly young men and women who tend to be the bulk of the armed forces, being put in those frightening conditions is you know, a spiritual test as well as an emotional test. And whether you believe in anything at all, a chaplain's role within a unit is to support that psychological challenge that a lot of young men and women have when first confronted with real danger. It's somebody I can turn to because I know that he is on my side, he'll understand, and I can talk to the chaplain in a way that I wouldn't necessarily be able to talk to my mates or to my sergeant or to my commanding officer or whatever. So he's part of the family, he's not part of the command chain. And that kind of um, moral support is absolutely vital in times of danger. And that's really why service chaplains are so important in serving the armed forces. One accepts that today it's a challenge, it's a challenge for all of our dioceses, and I know that the, um, the principal chaplains are 
really grateful, and I know the bishop is really grateful for the support one receives from each of the dioceses who, who are offering priests to support the military at a time when such huge demands in prisons and hospices and, and schools, and we, we, because from a civilian perspective, being now a civilian, one sees of all those challenges that the church has. So the fact that the bishops' conference still regard the support to the armed forces as a key instrument of the promotion of the faith and the support of the faith is something for which we are very grateful. I would never wish to see that diminish because it would remove a key support element of the armed forces in being able to deliver when it's required.